Welcome, Christian Israel, Pastor Eli James here, and Dan from Georgia. And we're, today we're going to continue in Second Chronicles. Uh, we're, we completed Chapter 6, and uh, we're going to start with Chapter 7. However, we have a little bit of an intro regarding Sheba, the Queen of Sheba, her origins. Uh, we'll just to take a brief intro on that subject, because she appears in Chapter 8. So, Dan, over to you. Okay. Sheba and Dedan are the two sons of Rayama, son of Cush, Genesis chapter 10, verse 7. Sheba and Dedan are the two sons of Jokshan, the son of Abraham and Keturah, Genesis chapter 25, verse 3. Sheba is a son of Joktan, son of Eber, who was a descendant of Shem, Genesis chapter 10, verse 28. Oh, okay. So, they're, the above- so they're Shemites. I, I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess I, I was mistaken. Somebody somehow I thought they were uh, of uh, Yavan. Uh, that's probably just a, a misreading on my part. You know, who was a, a Japhethite? Okay, so they're they're actually Shemites. Okay, back to you. Very good. From the above statements, it would appear that Sheba was the name of an Arab tribe, and consequently of Semitic descent. The fact that Sheba and Dedan are represented as Cushite. Genesis chapter 10, verse 7, would point to a migration of part of these tribes to Ethiopia. And similarly, their derivation from Abraham, Genesis chapter 25, verse 3. Okay, all right, so uh, let me uh, stop you here because uh, uh, the word Ethiopia is a made-up word. (laughs) Yeah, it should be Cushites. And there, there there were three Cushes. There was the Arabian Cush, the African Cush, and the Indian Kush, you know, that, that means that these people settled in these three areas of the world, which was are pretty far flung. Okay, none of these people are Africans. No, uh, apparently, none of these people are originally Arabs, as we would understand them, descended from Ishmael. Okay, uh, but uh, they are descended from Keturah, which makes them. The Indo-Aryan branch, probably. And this branch here we're talking about now, Sheba, Shemitic. Back to you. Okay. Yeah. I'll start back. Yeah. Uh, Point to a migration of these tribes to Ethiopia, and similarly, their derivation from Abraham, Genesis chapter 25, verse 3, would indicate that some families were located in Syria. In point of fact, Sheba was a South Arabian or Joktanite tribe. Genesis chapter 10, verse 28, and his own name and that of some of his brothers. Example, Hazarmaveth equals Hadharamat are place names in southern Arabia. The Sabians, or people of Saba or Sheba, are referred to as traders in gold and spices and as inhabiting a country remote from Palestine. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 20, Ezekiel chapter 27, verse 22, Psalm 72, verse 15, and Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. Also as slave traders, Joel chapter 3, verse 8, or even desert rangers, Job chapter 1, verse 15, and Job chapter 6, verse 19. By the Arab genealogist, Saba is represented as a great-grandson of Koktan, or, or Joktan, an right. ancestor of all the South Arabian tribes. He is the father of Kimar, 
and Kalan. He is said to have been named Saba because he was the first person first to take prisoners. Oh. Shaba in a, in war. He founded the capital of Saba and built its citadel Marib, Mariaba, famous for its mighty barrage. History. The authentic history of the Sabians, so far as known, and the topography of their country are derived from South Arabian inscriptions, which began to be discovered about the middle of the last century, and from coins dating from about 150 B.C. to 150 A.D., the first collection of which was published in 1880, and from the South Arabian geographer Hamdani, who was later made known to European scholars. One of the Sabian kings is mentioned on Assyrian inscriptions of the year 715 B.C., and he is apparently not the earliest. The native monuments are scattered over the period extending from before that time until the 6th century A.D., when the Sabian state came to an end, <clears throat> being most numerous about the commencement of our era. Saba was the name of the nation of which Marib was the usual capital. The Sabians at first shared the sovereignty of South Arabia with Himyar and one or two other nations, but gradually absorbed the territories of these sometime after the Christian era. The form of government seems to have been that of a republic or oligarchy, the chief magistracy going by a kind of rotation and more than one king holding office simultaneously. Similarly, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 47, and often in the Old Testament, the people seem to have been divided into patricians and plebeians, and the former of whom had the right to build castles and to share in the government. Okay, so fairly, uh, fairly well civilized, uh, you know, people. Okay, so which would we expect if they were descended from Keturah and Abraham, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So that makes them Shemites. So very good, and uh, uh, obviously their antiquity would go back to Abraham. So that's around 2000 BC. So, uh, so the the Sabaeans would have been around for quite some time. Would have heard about Solomon. So the Queen of Sheba, uh, her interest was piqued by all of the uh, legend because Solomon's fame was already legendary, and she had to see for herself what this is all about. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's pick it up at Second Chronicles chapter seven, and we know. That the Jews are not Semites. That's right. <laughs> there are uh, uh, people in the chat room are talking about the cuckoo bird, right? Mm -hmm. And the cuckoo. Oh, no sound. Hold on. Hold, hold on. Uh, somebody's saying no sound. Let me double check. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we should be. Uh, we should be uh, broadcasting. Okay. Uh, okay. Something happened. Something happened. Okay. I can't hear anything. Yeah, okay, uh, something happened to the sound. Okay, so uh, hello folks, uh, we should be broadcasting now. For some reason the broadcaster dropped out, so let's, uh, uh, can you let us know if you're hearing us? Let me double check the broadcaster. And it says we're streaming. It says we're streaming okay. automatically. And uh, I, I was monitoring the music. For yeah, okay, we're okay now. So, uh, Dan, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> All right, very good. Th thank you, folks. Uh, for some reason, the broadcaster just plain old dropped out. 
So we're going to. Do I t- need to? Uh, do you want me to read the article again on Sheba? Yeah, let's do that because uh, that's important okay. history. Because uh, the Queen of Sheba comes <clears throat> uh, into play in chapter eight. So take it away, Dan. We're article on Sheba. Okay, Sheba and Dedan are the two sons of Rayama, son of Cush. Genesis chapter ten, verse seven. Statement number two, Sheba and Dedan are the two sons of Joshan, the son of Abraham and Keturah. Genesis chapter 25, verse 3. And statement number three, Sheba is a son of Joktan, son of Eber, who was a descendant of Shem. Genesis chapter 10, verse 28. From the above statements, it would appear that Sheba was the name of an Arab tribe and consequently of Semitic descent. The fact that Sheba and Dedan are represented as Cushite Genesis chapter 10, verse 7, would point to a migration of part of these tribes to Ethiopia. And similarly, their derivation from Abraham, Genesis chapter 25, verse 3, would indicate that some families were located in Syria. In point of fact, Sheba was a South Arabian or Joktanite tribe, Genesis chapter 10, verse 28, and his own name and that of some of his brothers, example, Hazavarmeth equals Had Haramat, are place names in South Southern Arabia. The Sabians, or people of Saba or Sheba, are referred to as traders in gold and spices, and as inhabiting a country remote from Palestine. First Kings chapter ten, verse one, Isaiah chapter sixty, verse six, Jeremiah chapter six, verse twenty. Ezekiel chapter 27, verse 22, Psalms chapter 72, verse 15, and Matthew chapter 12, verse 42. Also, as slave traders, Joel chapter 3, verse 8, or even desert rangers, Job chapter 1, verse 15, and Job chapter 6, verse 19. By the Arab genealogist, Saba is represented as a great-grandson of Koktan, or Joktan, and ancestor of all the South Arabian tribes. He is the father of Kimyar and Kalan. He is said to have been named Saba because he was the first to take prisoners, Shabha, in war. He founded the capital of Saba and built its citadel, Marib, or Miriaba, famous for its mighty barrage. History. The authentic history of the Sabians, so far as known, and the topography of their country are derived from South Arabian inscriptions, which began to be discovered about the middle of the last century, and from coins dating from about 150 B.C. to 150 A.D., the first collection of which was published in 1880, and from the South Arabian geographer Hamdani, who was later made known to European scholars. One of the Sabian kings is mentioned on Assyrian inscriptions of the year 715 B.C., and he is apparently not the earliest, The native monuments are scattered over the period extending from before that time until the 6th century A.D., when the Sabian state came to an end, being most numerous about the commencement of our era. Saba was the name of the nation of which Marib was the usual capital. The Sabians at first shared the sovereignty of South Arabia with Himyar and one or two other nations, but gradually absorbed the territories of these sometime after the Christian era. The form of government seems to have been that of a republic or oligarchy, the chief magistrate going by a kind of rotation and more than one king holding office simultaneously. 
Similarly, Deuteronomy 4, verse 47, and often in the Old Testament. The people seem to have been divided into patricians and plebeians, the former of whom had the right to build castles and to share in the government. Okay, so it's really obvious from this history that the Queen of Sheba was not a black woman. She was a Shemite, a pure white Shemite. And uh, because the same is true of Moses' wife, Zipporah, she was also a descendant of Abraham and Keturah. All right, so all of these people are pure white Shemites. There's no, well, although we, we, it does say here that they were the first to practice slavery in that territory, so there, you, know, you never know. But the chances are the uh, the Sabaeans would not have intermarried if they had imported black slaves because they're right across that gulf from Africa. So they might have brought black slaves in from Africa. But uh, the likelihood of the, let's say, the royalty intermarrying with blacks is quite uh, remote, quite remote. Okay, so let's get into Second Chronicles chapter 7. Okay, Second Chron- Chronicles chapter 7. <clears throat> now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, and fire, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of Yahweh filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of Yahweh because the glory of Yahweh had filled Yahweh's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of Yahweh upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised Yahweh, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before Yahweh. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of twenty and two thousand oxen and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. And the priests waited on their offices, the Levites also with instruments of music of Yahweh, which David the king had made to praise the to praise Yahweh, because his mercy endures forever. Amen. When David praised by their ministry, And the priests sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood. Moreover, Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of Yahweh. For there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings, because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat. Also, at the time, same time, Solomon kept the feast feast seven days and all Israel with him, a very great congregation, from entering in from the entering in of Hamath unto the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day they made a solemn assembly, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days, and the feast seven days. And on the on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in heart for the goodness that Yahweh had showed unto David and to Solomon, and to Israel, his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of Yahweh, and the king's house, and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of Yahweh, and in his own house. He he prosperously effected. And Yahweh appeared to Solomon by night, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, 
shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Yes, this verse is the uh, motto of Christian Israel. Okay, mm-hmm. Judeo-Christians don't bother with this verse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, don't be, they don't believe in humility because they're already saved, or so they say. Yeah, and isn't it funny, that, and they say make the claim that the law was done away with. Right. Yeah. And uh, if, if we know that sin is transgression of the law, which is defined that way in the Bible. In the New Testament, Christ, even. Yeah, and Christ told the woman, remember, go forth and sin no more. So how could if, if the law was done away with, then why would yeah. he tell her that? Yeah, which means that all those people who believe that are really lost and not saved. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, okay. Exactly. Amen. All right. Verse 15, now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. <clears throat> for now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me, as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of my kingdom. According as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out Ooh. of my land, which I have given them. Which and he this did. House, he I did that. Sanctified. Yeah, he plucked them up out of the roots of Palestine and transplanted them to Europe, where they know where they where they were no better. <laughs> right. Yep. Back to you. Right. Which, which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and will make it to be a proverb, proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passes by it, so that he shall say. Why has Yahweh done thus unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered, because they forsook Yahweh, God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, has he wrought, has he brought all this evil upon them? Yeah, and so uh, it's really obvious that we Israelites, we are bound to obey his laws this is not true of any other people, not even the rest of the white race. It's only we Israelites who were given the law and whom uh, Yahweh chastises when we fail to obey him. Okay? All right. Chapter 8. Now, that doesn't mean yeah. that these other white people who live among us can go breaking laws and not. Oh, yeah, of course not. Suffer the consequences, yeah. you know. Right. Um, right. But we're supposed to set the example for them, and most of them are, you know, decent people anyway, right? The vast majority of these white tribes uh, are decent people. You know, you were talking about the yeah. Slavs of Europe. You know, the, uh, you know, all of the European nations uh, have probably got some Slavic blood, and uh, as we're talking about here, maybe some Hamitic blood as well. So, uh, although the Hamites seem to have gone wrong, because <laughs> uh, Canaan was one of them, the Philistines were uh, of Ham, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and so was Nimrod. Okay, so maybe the maybe the Hamites uh, aren't so good, but uh, I said the rest of the white race, yes, 
All right. Okay. I guess we, yeah. I guess we could say the Hamites are the uh, quote white trash of the. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that, that sun bur- bur- was just too hot. They couldn't couldn't control their behavior because of the heat. All right. All right. So yeah, let's get to chapter eight. Good stuff. All right, chapter 8, and it came to pass at the end of 20 years, wherein Solomon had built the house of Yahweh and his own house, that the cities which Huram had restored to Solomon, Solomon built them and caused the children of Israel to dwell there. Oh, wait, hold hold on. So Huram, I don't know why it's spelled differently here. It's spelled with a U, and uh, usually it's spelled with an I, H-I-R-A-M, and... Okay, so, okay, there's two different versions of it. And here, this one says uh, Hiram, another form of Hiram, or C-H-I-R-A-M, the name of two Tyrians. Okay, so there's more than one. Okay, all right, back to you, because uh, when we account confront this word again, I'll look at it again because that it gives a different definition there. Back to you. Okay, verse 3. And Solomon went to Hamath Zobah and prevailed against it. And he built Tadmor in the wilderness and all the store cities which he built in Hamath. Also, he built Beth Haran the upper and Beth Haran the nether, fence cities with walls, gates, and bars. And Baalath, and all the store cities that Solomon had, and all the chariot cities, and the cities of the horsemen, and all that Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, and in Lebanon, and throughout all the land of his dominion. As for all the people that were left of the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which were not of Israel. And they were Canaanites, the- uh, just descended from Ham, and of course, descended from the fallen angels, you know, and uh, they mixed with the uh, fallen angel crowd, uh, descended from, uh, you know, Genesis chapter, well, actually chapter 4, because uh, Cain was descended from a fallen angel, and of course, Genesis chapter 6. Back to you. Verse 8. But of their children who were left after them in the land, whom the children of Israel consumed not, them did Solomon make to pay tribute until this day. But of the children of Israel did Solomon make no servants for his work, but they were men of war, and chief of his captains, and captains of his chariots and horsemen. And these were the chief king of Solomon's officers, even 250 that bear rule over the people. And Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh out of the city of David unto the house that he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places are holy, whereunto the ark of Yahweh has come. Then Solomon offered burnt offerings unto Yahweh on the altar of Yahweh, which he had built before the porch, even after a certain rate every day, according to offering according to the commandment of Moses on the Sabbaths and on the new moons and on the solemn feasts three times in the year, even in the Feast of Unleavened Bread and in the Feast of Weeks and in the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, so they're practicing the uh, feast days like we should. Mm -hmm. 
And he appointed, according to the order of David, his father, the courses of the priests to their service and the Levites to their charges to praise and minister before the priests as the duty of every day required. The porters also by their courses at every gate. For so had David, the man of God, commanded. And they departed not from the commandment of the king unto the priests and Levites concerning any matter or concerning the treasures. Now all the work of Solomon was prepared unto the day of the foundation of the house of Yahweh and until it was finished. So the house of Yahweh was perfected. Then went Solomon to Ezion-Geber and and to Eloth at the seaside in the land of Edom. And Huram, there it is again, H-U-R-A. Yeah, okay, here. uh, The definition this time is whiteness. Okay, so uh, so maybe he was an albino, <laughs> right? Well, that, that is noble. Well, uh, most well, maybe we should associate the whiteness with nobility, right? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Also, the name of an Israelite and two Syrians, Huram. But this definition is whiteness as opposed to I forget now what the other one was, but I think it was just a name. It was just a name of two individuals. But this version of H2361 means whiteness. Back to you. And Huram sent him by the hands of his servants' ships and servants that had knowledge of the sea. And they went with the servants of Solomon to Ophir and took thence 450 talents of gold and brought them to King Solomon. Okay, so it says uh, above in this chapter that Solomon forced these Canaanite nations to pay tribute, which meant that they lived amongst themselves and did not mingle with the Israelites as they shouldn't, okay? Nevertheless, you know, I'm sure there was all kinds of trading going on between the Israelites and the Canaanites and, you know, hanky-panky going on as well. And so our people picked up the Canaanite religion thereby, all right, so that's that's what ha- had to have happened. All right, to, for our demise. Okay, chapter nine. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem, with a very great company and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. So, so hold on. So, so she was what we used to say uh, a smart cookie. <laughs> of course, that's forbidden language there. The feminists have forbidden any references to women. Well, are they women? What are they? <laughs> Transgenders? Are, yeah. are, there, are, are there real women anymore? I guess not. Okay, back I, to you. You know, I, I've heard that a lot of these A-list Hollywood stars, many of them are transgendered. Yes, yeah, and it's part of a of uh, you know the Satanism that goes on with among these elites. You know, the changing the the sex of the the child when it's born. Yes, and uh, yeah, and, and they get higher pay when they do that, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, the Freemasons. Uh, Swamp Fox mentions Freemasonry. Hiram is one of the protagonists of Masonry, although. Uh, if there's two of them, then uh, it, 
it's a question which one or is it just uh, two different names for the same person of course we have to take freemasonic claims with a grain of salt because they the to the two pillars uh joe joe come and i forget the name of the other pillar so definitely they trace their origins back to uh solomon and hiram and i can see solomon because he went mad in his later years so, uh, but I don't know, and Hiram, we don't have enough information about Hiram to suggest that he went went bad, right? That he himself went bad. But yeah, Boaz, yeah, Boaz and Joachim are the two uh, pillars that are popular among Freemasons. All right, back to you. Verse 2, and Solomon told her all her questions. And there was nothing hid from Solomon, which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also and their apparel and his ascent by which he went up unto the house of Yahweh, there was no more spirit in her. And she, she was just overwhelmed, king, awestruck. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And she said to the king, it was a true report, which I heard in my own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believe not their words until I came and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told for was not told me for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men and happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. Marry me. (laughs) That's not recorded. Maybe she said marry me, but that's not recorded. (laughs) Blessed be Yahweh thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne, to be king for Yahweh thy God, because thy God loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore, he made thee king over them to do judgment and justice. There you go. And she gave yeah. She gave the king 120 talents of gold and of spices, great abundance and precious stones. Neither was there any such spice as the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. And the servants also of Huram and the servants of Solomon, which brought gold from Ophir, brought algum trees and precious stones. And the king made of the algum trees terraces to the house of Yahweh and to the king's palace and harps and psalteries for singers. And there were none such seen before in the land of Judah. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which she had brought unto the king. So she turned and went away to her own land, she and her servants. Too bad she didn't have a cell phone to take pictures. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was six hundred and three score six talents of gold. Wow. Six hundred and sixty-six talents of gold. Mm-hmm. Beside that which chapmen and merchants brought, <clears throat> and all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. And King Solomon made two hundred targets of beaten gold. 600 shekels of beaten gold went to one target, and 300 shields made he of beaten gold. 
three hundred shekels of gold went to one shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. And there were six steps to the throne with a footstool of gold, which were fastened to the throne and stays on each side of the sitting place and two lions standing by the stays. And twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps. There was not like made in any kingdom. And all the drinking vessels of King Solomon were of gold. And all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver. It was not anything accounted of in the days of Solomon. For the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Huram. Every three years once came the ships of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. And King Solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom that God had put in his heart. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver and vessels of gold and raiment, harness and spices, horses and mules, a rate year by year. And Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he bestowed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. And he reigned over all the kings from the river, even unto the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. And the king made silver in Jerusalem as stones and cedar trees made he as the sycamore trees that are in the low plains in abundance. And they brought unto Solomon horses out of Egypt and out of all lands. Yeah, the children played with silver marbles, <laughs> right? Okay, very interesting. Uh, Solomon's ships went as far as Tarshish, which is Spain. We know they crossed the Atlantic Ocean and came to America and mined uh, copper in Michigan and uh, left monuments all over America, including the Ten Commandments stone in uh what is it, just south of Albuquerque, New Mexico. So they, they sailed up the rivers of, Amer- of, you know, of America and left, left monuments of their presence, okay? Of course, you have to study extracurricular, extracurricular history to find that out. But, you know, why would the Ten Commandments stone be in New Mexico? Who would have, in Paleo-Hebrew, by the way, okay? So Solomon's ships went worldwide. Back to you. So our people were here long before the pilgrims. That's right. That's right. And even before the Indians. <laughs> right? And actually, most of those, a lot of those Indian tribes are actually of white people. And of course, later on, they became mixed. But the Cherokee were white who spoke Gaelic. All right. I didn't know that. Yes. Yes, they were white. They were probably a remnant of these. They were probably stranded here in America. And uh, became Indians, and uh, they weren't able to rebuild the civilization that uh, obviously Solomon had. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, th- there's the story in uh, America BC. Forget the author's name, uh, where he talks about a uh, uh, during revolution or just before revolutionary times, uh, a white man who was captured by Cherokee Indians and strapped to a tree, and uh, he had overheard the two Cherokee Indians talking and he was able to understand their speech 
And he realized they were speaking a version of Gaelic. And what they were saying to each other was, should we kill this guy or just leave him strapped to this tree for the animals to eat? And he said, no, 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 let me go. And they were, they were utterly startled when he said that, right? So they let him go. Okay. Hmm. America BC by, uh, as a Jewish author, maybe the people in the chat room remember his name. Yeah. The Cherokee were white, originally white Indian tribes. Back to you. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. Verse 29. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon, first sure. and last, are they not written in the book of Nathan the prophet and in the prophecy of Ahiah the Shilonite and in the visions of Iddo the seer against Jeroboam the son of Nebat? And Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and he was buried in the city of David his father and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his stead. Okay, and Mr. Kim Smith says the author's name is Barry Fell. Barry okay. Fell. Yeah. That's a, that's and a, it's called America B.C. is uh, the name of the book? Yes, it's an absolute masterpiece of, uh, you know, pre, let's say pre-Columbian or pre-revolutionary America. An mm-hmm. absolute masterpiece. Everybody should read it. Okay, back to you. Okay, chapter 10. And Rehoboam went to Shechem. For to Shechem were all Israel come to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was in Egypt, whither he had fled from the presence of Solomon the king, heard it, that Jeroboam returned out of Egypt. And they sent and called him. So Jeroboam and all Israel came and spake to Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now, therefore, ease thou somewhat the grievous servitude of thy father and his heavy yoke that he put upon us, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Come again unto me after three days. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men that had stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, saying, What counsel give ye me to return answer to this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou be kind to this people, and please them, and speak good words to them, they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel which the old men gave him, and took counsel with the young men that were brought up with him, that stood before him. And he said unto them, What advice give ye that we may return answer to this people, which have spoken to me, saying, Ease somewhat the yoke that thy father did put upon us. And the young men that were brought up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou answer the people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it somewhat lighter for us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. Apparently this is some type of saying that... I'll be uh, I'll be tougher than my father. Uh, apparently, he, he was tough. Yeah, he right. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, apparently Rehoboam wasn't rich enough. Yeah. Here's proof, absolute proof, ladies and gentlemen, that we don't need Jews to be evil, to do evil. All right. Rehoboam had absolutely, absolutely no cause to put heavy burdens upon the ten northern tribes. No cause whatsoever, but he did it anyway. And- 
And, you know, uh, these people had an opportunity to let Yahweh rule over them, but they wanted a man king like the other nations. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, right? You know, and... Um, yeah, no, now, now look at us. We're ruled over by Jews. <laughs> yeah. Right? <clears throat> so, no, chapter, no, I mean, verse... Uh, Numbers 33.55, which states very clearly, if you do not get rid of these Canaanites, they will become pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides. Mm-hmm. And they certainly are. We went from bad Israelite kings to oh, even worse yes. Jewish kings. A- amen. <laughs> Jewish moneylenders. Yep. Mm-hmm. Verse 11. For whereas my father put a heavy yoke upon you, I will put more to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. And scorpions, that's kind of like a, a whip with a... a All right. Start. Barbs, yeah, let me ch- let me look Barb. the word up yeah. here. A scourge, yeah, a scourge whip, right, which is mm-hmm. – uh, maybe he – I think maybe where it says my father chastised you with whips is they may have cracked the whip to get people working harder, you know, but probably didn't – the whips didn't land on their skin. That's what I'm assuming. There's no – there was no reason for Solomon to abuse his workers, you know, because uh, uh, – they were getting paid, right? <laughs> Sometimes. I'm thinking this is just a, like a saying, you know, the, right. the chastisement referred to here is actually taxation. So if you thought my father taxed you with yeah. whips, we're going to ta- we're going to tax the heck out of you with these scorpions, these barbed right. wire whips, you know. Right. So. Yeah, that's what he threatened to do. Yes. Okay, very good. Verse 12, so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day as the king bade, saying Come again to me on the third day. And the king answered them roughly. And King Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men and answered them after the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add thereto. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was of God, that Yahweh might perform his word, which he spake by the hand of Ahiah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And when all Israel saw that the king would not hearken unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? And we have none inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your tents, O Israel. And now, David, see to thine own house. So all Israel went to their tents. But as for the children of Israel that dwelt in the cities of Judah... Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram that was over the tribute, and the children of Israel stoned him with stones that he died. But King Rehoboam made him speed, made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. And Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. Okay, I think in verse 16... Second Chronicles ten sixteen is the first time we have the expression all Israel. All Israel. That means all twelve tribes. Uh, well, in this case it means the ten tribes. Okay. So uh this is an expression that uh has its origin in the Old Testament. So when Paul uses it in the New Testament when he says all Israel will be saved, he's not talking about every single Israelite because not all of these Israelites were saved, right? A lot of them were uh, became evil, uh, what do you call it, pagans, 
and had, had had to perish at the hands of the Assyrians. Okay, so all Israel here simply means, in this case, all ten northern tribes. That's all it means. It doesn't mean every Israelite uh, will be saved in the New Testament. Paul is simply using the language of the Old Testament and you know, saying that all Israel will be saved. But uh, it does not mean every single Israelite will be saved. All right, back to you. I guess this was the first tax rebellion, right? Right, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pay your taxes and you'll be saved. <laughs> Chapter, I mean, uh, verse 11. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he gathered of the house of Judah and Benjamin a hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men, which were warriors, to fight against Israel, that he might bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam. But the word of Yahweh came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel in Judah and Benjamin, saying, Thus saith Yahweh, You shall not go up nor fight against your brethren. Return every man to his house, for this thing is done of me. And they obeyed the words of Yahweh and returned from going against Jeroboam. And Rehoboam dwelt in Jerusalem, and he built cities for defense in Judah, he built even Bethlehem and Etam and Tekoa and Bethzer and Shoko and Adullam and Gath and Maresha and Ziph and Adaram and Lachish and Azekah and Zorah and Ajalon and Hebron, which are in Judah and in Benjamin fenced cities. Okay, well, it, says, it says that he built even Bethlehem. But Bethlehem was a town that existed before, even before Israel, Jacob Israel, uh, went into that territory. It's a very, very old city, but uh, they've, they of course, made it their own. All right, so it should be, it should say rebuilt. Rebuilt, yeah. yeah. Okay, back to you. Verse 11, and he fortified the strongholds and put captains in them and the store and store of victuals and of oil and wine. And in every several city he put shields and spears and made them exceeding strong, having Judah and Benjamin on his side. And the priests and the Levites that were in all Israel resorted to him out of all their coasts. For the Levites left their suburbs and their possession and came to Judah and Jerusalem. For Jeroboam and his sons had cast them off from executing the priest's office unto Yahweh. With fake priests, right? They they appointed fake priests, right? Yeah. Like we have today. Yeah. (laughs) And he ordained him priests for the high places and for the devils and for the calves which he had made. And after them, out of all the tribes of Israel, such as set their hearts to seek Yahweh, God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice unto Yahweh, God of their fathers. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and made Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, strong three years. For three years they walked in the way of David and Solomon. And Rehoboam took him Mahalath, the daughter of Jeremoth, the son of David, to wife, and Abihel, the daughter of Eliab, the son of Jesse, which bare him children, Jeush and Shamariah and Zaham. And after he took Maacah, the daughter of Absalom, which bare him Abiah 
and Atai and Ziza and Shelamith. And Rehoboam loved Maacah, the daughter of Absalom, above all his wives and his concubines. For he took eighteen wives and threescore concubines and begat twenty and eight sons and threescore daughters. Almost like his daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what, 900? I don't think anybody could match Solomon. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's right. I think he, what, he had a thousand. So, something like that, right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, a and lot of Edomites and Egyptians and all manner of women, right? That was uh, yeah. the main sin, non, non-Israelite women, yeah. Yeah, that was his downfall, was that yeah, he loved sure. strange women. That's yeah. right, yeah. And Rehoboam made Abiah, the son of Maacah, the chief, to be ruler among his brethren, for he thought to make him king. And he dealt wisely and dispersed of all his children throughout all the countries of Judah and Benjamin unto every fenced city. And he gave them victual in abundance, and he desired many wives. Okay, so he uh, put the... At least he didn't kill all all the other potential heirs, right? We've seen that happen already, where mm-hmm. uh, you know the potential heir just murders everybody else, so there's no chance of him being uh, you know un, un, unseated, right? So apparently he put the children of uh, the other wives into cities where they lived peaceably. Back to you. Okay, on to chapter twelve, and it came to pass. When Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of Yahweh and all Israel with him. And it came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against Yahweh. Okay, now here, all Israel means all 12 tribes because because the Judahites and Levites and Benjamites also forsook the law along with him, okay? So all Israel is simply a reference to Israelites taken collectively, all right? Back to you. The uh, the 12 tribes taken collectively. Verse 3. With 1,200 chariots and threescore thousand horsemen and the people that were without number that came with him out of Egypt, the Lubims, the Sukims and the Ethiopians. And he took the fenced cities which pertained to Judah and came to Jerusalem. Then came Shemaiah the prophet to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak and said unto them, Thus saith Yahweh, You have forsaken me, and therefore I also left you in the hand of Shishak. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, Yahweh is righteous. And when Yahweh saw that they humbled themselves, the word of Yahweh came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants, that they may know my service, and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of Yahweh and the treasures of the king's house. He took all. He carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made, instead of which King Rehoboam made shields of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard, 
that he kept the entrance of the king's house. And when the king entered into the house of Yahweh, the guard came and fetched them and brought them again into the guard chamber. And when he humbled himself, the wrath of Yahweh turned from him, that he would not destroy him altogether. And also in Judah, things went well. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam was one and forty years old when he began to reign. And he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which Yahweh had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek Yahweh. Now the acts of Rehoboam, first and last, are they not written in the book of Shemaiah the prophet and of Iddo the seer concerning genealogies? And there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam continually. Oh, here we go again. And, now we have an Ammonitus to go along with Ruth the Moabitess. Okay, yeah. uh, obviously we're talking about uh, t- uh, his mother was born in Ammonite territory. Uh, we were also told earlier on that she's a descendant of an Israelite. Okay, so just to clear up any confusion there. All right, back to you. Verse 16, and Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And Abiah, his son, reigned in his stead. Okay, so uh, let's see. Well, there's uh, less than five minutes left. So uh, here we see that uh, the, the lesson here in this chapter is as long as our leaders obey Yahweh's law, things go well in the country. And when they when they don't obey Yahweh's law, then everything starts to fall apart. Why? Because the people become lax, just like the like the leadership does, right? I mean, look at America today. How lax the uh, the American people have become under Democratic leadership. And, of course, a pseudo-Republican leadership as well, right? Because our people have not been obeying Yahweh's laws. Now, look at the origins of America from 1776 on, because we were founded as a Christian law-abiding nation. Our founders believed in obeying the law, common law, which derives from the Bible, okay? America became the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, and really still is, in spite of everything, because we obeyed Yahweh's laws. That's why. And who was the Frenchman who came and visited America and said, America is great because its people are good. <laughs> right? Uh, so uh, people understood that. People heard about America. America was as famous worldwide as was Solomon's kingdom. At his time, right? People mm-hmm. couldn't believe, you know, that uh, America could be so rich. But and we, uh, and even during the Civil War, our military became more powerful than the British Navy. The, the, no other nation has been able to touch the American Navy since, right? Uh, that's because America was still good despite the Civil War, right? So anyway, uh, this is uh, uh, more than enough proof that if the nation and the people obey Yahweh's laws, we will prosper. If we abandon his laws, then we'll become slaves to the moneylenders. And that's exactly what has happened to our people today. All right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. And then, of course, there's Deuteronomy chapter 28, where it says, uh, it'll get so bad if we do not obey his laws, 
the stranger that is within us will lend to us and we will not lend to him. Who who do you think that stranger is, Dan? I wonder who. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I wonder, wonder who. <laughs> right? Should redo that song. Uh, it's got to be the Jew, right? So, mm-hmm. all right, that's the lesson for today. As long as we obey his laws, we will prosper. And, of course, Second Chronicles 7.14, that is the motto of Christian Israel. The Christian Identity Movement has taken that as our motto. And the rest of Christianity has to catch up with us on that score. All right. That should do it for the show today. Thank you, Dan. And, yes. uh, yeah, it was, it was great fun. And let's see, we got uh, 36 chapters. So we got uh, 24 chapters to go. It's a long book. All right. So we'll see you next week. Okay, Dan? All right. See you next week. Everybody, thank you. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.